Hey guys, just Josh here. Welcome to Ballarat Talks. Proudly sponsored by the Region Cinema. Jeez, you, yeah, you, yeah. you put the balls on the line there. Yeah, I was. <laughs> just, just, just. No, I moved, I moved out of home when I was 14, so it sort of comes really? from my face. Oh, the phone, the phone's going to ring off the hook. Hope you enjoyed today's episode, guys, with Andrew Kula. Today's guest, he was, uh, he was born and bred in Ballarat. He's the CEO and founder of the Silk Initiative. Am I saying that right, Andrew? Yes. Yep. He speaks fluent Mandarin. He lived in uh, Germany, China, America, and Australia. Welcome, Andrew. I can't even, is your last name? I can't even. I always get it mixed up with Kula or Kula. Oh my god. Is it Kula? Thank you thousands of dollars in personal training fees. It's Kula, isn't it? Kula. There we go. Kula. 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 Well done. Kula. To yeah. Ballarat, uh, Ballarat Talks. Righto, Andrew. Start me off. Ballarat. Where, you know, how does a man come from Ballarat and then own a big business in China? Oh uh, God, the full circle. Mm. How long do you have? Uh, we got ages. Whatever you want to drink a couple <laughs> of wines here today. So we'll push. Um, yeah, so born and bred in Ballarat. Um, went to Sebastec. Oh, yes, grew up in Sebas. Mum and Dad had a business out there. Yeah, well, which one was that one? What was it called? Sebas Auto Parts. Yeah, it was like a, yeah, it was a blue. It's now blue and yellow. Yeah, what's it called? Did you know, uh, what's it called? Now it's called Chemist Warehouse. Yeah, Chemist Warehouse. That's <laughs> yeah, it. Chemist exactly. Warehouse. That's what I'm after. Yeah. Grew up there. Yeah. So um, grew up there. Dad, Theo, the thief. They used to call him at Ballarat. Well, was he cheap or what? No, he's just a good salesman. Okay. <laughs> Theo the thief. Theo the thief. <laughs> um, yeah. So I grew up there, and then pretty pretty bad kid at school actually. Mm. Kind of um, lots of time in the corridor for chatting too much in class. Yep. And then in I remember in '91 I came home with this brochure of this exchange student program. And I said, I want to be an exchange student in Europe. And my parents said, right, we'll send you to Germany. The Germans will fix you up because I needed discipline. Yeah. That's and great. I did. So I went in 92 for a year. But they sent you there? They sent me there as a 16-year-old as an exchange student. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's the, huge. From the, I remember some girls went now, yeah, and they came back because yeah. there was a lot of bread. A lot of bread. and your bread and butter they go crazy on or no? Lots of bread. Lots, Lots of, bread. of bread. No, they're not huge. No, they're right. Um... But yeah, so Berlin, do you know the Berlin Wall? Have you heard of that? Yeah, I've heard of the Berlin Wall. <laughs> Josh hasn't heard of the Berlin Wall, by the way. Continue. Uh, so it's 92, so it's about a year and a half after the Berlin Wall came down. So from Ballarat to Berlin, it was a bit of a culture shock. Mm. Um, and I went barely speaking a word of German, came back fluent. And then I was like, oh, I want to do languages. And then I did German in you know, VCE. And then this course came up for uni, uh, at Ballarat Uni as well, mm. Mandarin. Uh, and business, and I was like, I'll give that a crack. My godparents were from Hong Kong, so they owned restaurants in Ballarat back then. Yep. What and was the restaurants? Uh, Gooey Louie Chinese Takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a great name, Gooey Louie? If oh you're listening, God. Louie family, which you will be, it was Gooey Louie Ch- Chinese Takeaway. They live in Ballarat North still. Yep. Where was that? It was on the corner of um, uh, Rubicon, I think it is, and Alba Street, opposite Eclipse Motors. Opposite what? Eclipse Motors. Oh, opposite yeah, the Hungry yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, so kind of grew up with them and lots of exposure to Chinese culture and cooking. And then this course came up, and I guess that was in the days of sort of the Keating government, where it's like very pro-China, study a language, that's the future. So I was one of the guinea pigs, yep. and I studied that, and then got a scholarship to go to Beijing in '96. And uh, yeah, had an internship with a German company, Siemens. They sent me to Germany for a month. So I had this sort of whole international thing going. So they sent you to Germany for what though? Uh, for a trade fair for a month. I had a marketing role for a couple of years okay. with a Ballarat Uni um, startup, yep. business startup. And that got me sort of rolling on the whole like, oh, I could be kind of international. 
right. the boy from Ballarat to Berlin to Beijing. Superstar, yeah. Yeah. And so, then, hmm. yeah, so they go, if, I don't know how you've um, you picked up German in a year though. That's pretty quick, isn't it? Yeah, I grew up with a lot of languages around me, I guess. So my dad's Dutch, mum's Scottish. We had lots of like um, international family members, I guess. So yep. always hearing languages, love language. Yep. Um, also have a Dutch passport, so I speak a bit of Dutch as well. Um, and German's not that dissimilar to English when you're young. Ich liebe dich. Ich liebe dich auch. You shouldn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Is that uh, the one line? I think it's the one line from the vocal high school. Like Heinz Vein, right here. Yeah. Um, yeah but anyway, is... so hop, skip, and a jump from there, yep. and then I was working for McCain Foods in Ballarat. So this is a whole Ballarat. I didn't know this that. is a Ballarat talks. Yeah. This is Ballarat. Ballarat epilogue, talks. actually. So yeah, McCain Foods. Yeah. Worked at McCain Foods. Absolutely hated it. And I remember going to work, and I just had this awful boss who would call me in every Friday night and tell me how just bad I was. Yeah. And then I faxed, do you know this thing called a fax machine? Yeah, I remember. Mm. Mm. So I faxed my resume to this company in China that was doing a product testing and they gave me a job. To fly over and To go that. to China. And they're like, they called me six weeks later, like, do you want to come and join our Shanghai office? So I was out of here. Wow. And that was 2000. Yep. And how, does, how does that work though? Like, how do you get you know, your visas and then you go? They just all, they were so, I think that was the early days of China, so they were so desperate for young foreign staff who could speak some Chinese. Right. And I landed on a Friday, started work on a Monday, and now I'm staying for four years. And I just. That was the, you had to tell them you were staying for four years? No, it was just like that. It was like I a one year contract. They're like, do you want to stay? Do you want to stay again? Do you want to stay for another year? Yep. Yeah, and then. Um, pretty much got dragged kicking and screaming into some more senior roles. And then got fired. Did you? What did you do? Oh, I didn't do anything. We just got bought out. No, I didn't. Not to a later jobs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then returned to Australia for a year and a half to Sydney. Then I got recruited to go to New York. Yep. When I was there nearly six years, and then recruited to go back to Shanghai. What what was in New York? Sorry, though. What? Same stuff like um, consumer insights, brand innovation. Yep. And I was like living there for five, six years. And then I had the itch to go back to China in 2010. Because you loved it so much. Loved it so much. Well, that's what, we'll just, we'll be back off that. Yeah. What do you, what do you find the biggest culture shocks have been in, mm. well, from here to there, or here to any of the, any of the places around the world, that you would rather have, or you wish there was more of that here, or you wish there was less of that? It's hard to sort of remember back when I first went what the big culture shock was. It was all, it was like the Wild West. Mm. Anything was possible back then. But I do feel like back then Australia was more innocent and anything was possible then too. Like we're a bit more rigid now. Yeah. But if you sort of talk 20 years later, I guess probably the energy levels. Like New York and Shanghai, they're just always on cities, right? They're massive. You're not going to get that in Melbourne. It's yep. like, you know, a tenth of the size, if that. Um, but I just say, like, business is always on over there. Like, here it stops. There's a hard stop at 5 o'clock. People don't want to answer their phones. There's this whole work-life balance thing. And it's just so much harder to get things done here. And then over there, it's not like that. No, over there, it's really bullish, and people just want to... It's onward and upward. Yep. I was saying that to a friend a while ago. Like, if you're sitting at a table with a bunch of Chinese people or expats, they're all there with a purpose. Okay. They're not there for lifestyle reasons. Like, you wouldn't go to move to China for a lifestyle. It's just, yep. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Put up with smog and food poisoning and things like that. The smog... I went there with my business <laughs> partner in 2015 or 16. Mm. I could not get over it. Because it was just about fault every day, all day. Yeah, it was pretty nuts. Did you go... Have you been up the Great Wall? Yeah. 
What do you think? Was it? Um, no, he was steep. Pulled. Yes, that's <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind. It's yeah. like. I don't know what part we did, but there was like the little towers you go up to. There yeah. Little, like, they had like 12 or 10 or 12 of them. Yeah. Well, they and have those little towers for about 3,000 kilometres. Okay. Well, yeah. they tell us that there's only, is there 5% of the wall left? 2% of the wall? Yeah. Something yeah. like yeah. nothing. Yeah. And, um, but half the people on the bus couldn't get up. Yeah. Go up at two feet. Did you go on the toboggan down it? There's one area where you can, you can climb up it and then you can get a toboggan down. No. Like a luge. No, no, no. It's amazing. Didn't get that one. Yeah. I found, um, yeah, the culture was pretty full on over mm. there. I mean, like the, it's sort of, um, it was weird because everything was, it felt like obviously technology was going massive in spots. Yeah. But then you've got like um, bamboo, like what do you call it, bamboo, where they try to build things, like bamboo. Scaffolding? Yes. Mm-hmm. That sort of shit. I'm like, yeah. what's going on here? Well, I've spoken to engineers about that and they reckon that's a more superior product than steel. Why? Because it's lighter to carry, it's faster to put up. You don't need any bolts and nuts and things. You just tie it with little bands. Slightly more dangerous. Not really, they reckon. And it uh, flexes with temperature and wind, and it's like super versatile. But they'll use that. They even use that in Japan. I've been in Tokyo and seen that as well. Right. Because that's a very Asian thing. Okay. Yeah. Because that, um, that just blew me out of the water when I was driving past and like, mm, what's going on here? That's a sound I've kind of missed. Like sometimes you're sitting in your office in downtown Shanghai and you hear clunk, 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 and it's all the bamboo being taken down. They just throw it on the street. Oh, so too bad if you, yeah, they just kind of drop it, and too bad if you like driving past with your scooter, bang, like get clunked by just a mm. um, Cool. So then you from from there you've yeah. gone after America. Yeah, went back to China. Back to China, mm. and is that when you started your own business or no? Yeah, that's when I got fired twice. <laughs> no, no, no. The, again, though, the thing is. This Taiwanese friend of mine said years ago, he's like, never get the number one position because you'll always be cut. Always remain number two because there's more number two jobs. But I had this habit of climbing the career ladder so quickly mm. and I was always five, six, seven, ten years ahead of my peers, like much younger. Even in China, in the CEO said I'm still quite young. Yep. Probably climbed too quickly, moved into roles that were too well paid, wasn't able to deliver what they wanted because it's so impossible. Yep. And they go, oh, you're an expensive line item. <laughs> so See you later. Yeah, it's really about that. It's pretty cutthroat over there. Oh yeah, pretty brutal. Like my last job, they just like, no warning, they called me. They were like, oh, we're upstairs. We're here from London, the headquarters. And the team's been taken off site. We'd like to have a chat to you. And I was like, here we go. Your team's been taken off site? Yeah, they locked the doors, took the team off site, and they called me upstairs, and they're like, sit down, here's a piece of paper, we just need to let you go. Pretty cutthroat, like, no warning. And they don't give you, like... Oh, yeah, they gave me a severance, but I, I, like, dug in pretty deeply with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like three or four weeks back and forth, and then... What was your ego like then? It was, so it's still very New Yorkish. Yeah. Like, I'll never forget, they gave me this letter, and they're like, so I just like to give you, like, a three-week separation. And I just flicked it back to them and I was like, you'll be hearing from Robin. Jesus this Christ, I can see it too. This I can see Jewish it. New York lawyer in Shanghai and I, went, I don't want to get involved in the emotions. Good luck. And I just kind of walked out. Yeah. And they're like, oh my God. And then it was on for young and old for three or four weeks. And But that payout helped me get my business started. Yeah, of course. Had I have not dug in like that, I would never have done what I've done today probably. I can see it. I can bloody see <laughs> it. Yep, go on. Anyway, continue. Mm. So you, why did you start your own business then? Um... Because I just, well, I didn't want to come home so quickly. I wasn't mm. ready to come home. Yeah. Mm. 
And I sat down with a friend of mine who was an entrepreneur and he had this massive restaurant chain business. And he's like, go big or go home. What do you want to do? Do you just want to go home or do you want to go big? Which just means stay here. Yep. And I'm going, okay, speak Mandarin. I'm Australian. I'm in this food and beverage sector. There's this Australia free trade agreement right now. There's no one really up here that can help be this conduit between Australia and China. This was the pre-Morrison government days where we actually did trade with China. Yep. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, wow. And there were all these delegations coming in wanting to do like go-to-market stuff, like all the big Australian food brands. Yep. And I just bootstrapped. Got myself a desk at the American Chamber of Commerce and started getting projects and hiring interns who then just became... Uh, one of them became a partner in the business and just built the business from there. How were you getting the, the leads though? Like what were you doing to... Uh, so, so that was a thing. I, I remember sitting down with ANZ Bank in Shanghai and they're like, you've got to tap the revenue streams. Like where's the conversations happening, right? Yep. Chambers of commerce, banks, um, you know, investment companies, the trade department of Victoria. So I just went and met all those people. Yep. Probably spent a good six months and then gradually people would start matchmaking. Actually, probably yeah. should tell people what you actually do. So I think I've just said what um, it is. I like, run a chain of gyms in China. As if. Yeah. Go on, play on for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we basically create brands for the China and Asian market. Yep. And it started mainly with food brands, so i.e. Tim Tams. We did their launch in China. So we're like, here's a packet of Tim Tams. Will the Chinese like the flavour? So then we do like flavour testing. Then we look at the logo. Then we do the naming of Tim Tams. Then we do the pack design. And then maybe is it in a cart in a box? Is it a ten pack? Is it a multi pack? What regions? What market channels? Like all of the market strategy. Yep. And they pay us for that. And it could be several projects that could go on for a year. So is that you going and, and sourcing boxes and sourcing media work and sourcing that, or is that a bit like I remember one day I had to hand carry twelve kilograms of chocolate from Shanghai to Sydney. And then I gave it to the R and D team in Sydney and said, "Do what hand carry? Like in my bag, in my baggage, like yeah, yeah, in my luggage, hand carry like different types of Chinese chocolate." And then I gave them to the research and development team in Sydney at Arnott's. Yeah. And then they handmade Tim Tams, and then two months later they came back to do focus groups and we tested all the Tim Tams with Chinese chocolate on them. What's the difference? Oh, they have, they have sweetness levels. Do right? they have different melting points? Is that right? Yeah, different melting points because they have to be shelf stable longer, so they can't melt. You depending know, on like country, like I heard Australia has, because it's quite hot most yeah. of the time, they have better points. Of like yeah. yeah, it's very technical. So we go all the way down to that level. Like you know, is it an eight out of ten on sweetness, or is it a four out of ten on sweetness? Yep. You know, all that buttery mouthfeel, fattiness, and then so it's all of that's the product. It might be the. Um, communication platform like what's the right way to talk about the advertising yeah so then we'll work with the ad agency as well we might test different storyboards what's yeah. a job what's a, what's a typical job worth if you say do people like coke and they have business <laughs> coke well who what business have you worked with so uh, that's a pretty big, pretty big one coke Pepsi, uh, not coke actually pepsi mars um yeah quaker recently sanofi healthcare goodyear tires um, Schick razor blades, banana boat sunscreen, yep. um, all in Australia like A2 Milk Company, Buller, yep. Buller Ice Cream, Peter's Ice Cream, all those big ones, SPC, Fruit, yep. pretty much most of the big consumer brands to be honest. Like now we've got a couple of jobs with Mars, we're just one. We do a lot of work with New Zealand, like venison and beef. Mm. Huge companies you've never heard of, they're like $4 billion companies, but we do a lot of work with them. Yep. Uh, we design their trade stands, we do all their product brochures, their photography, their videography, 
all the branding as well. So we have an internal design team as well. So we don't just do the insight and strategy. So do they do all the video work and that, or you outsource that? We do, we do that, but we oversee it like the creative, like we'll be the creative lead on it. So we'll work with a videographer. Yeah. And we'll hire chefs and we'll do a full day shoot at a commercial kitchen. Yeah. You know, and yeah, we'll script it out with the client and lead the whole thing, and then we just might outsource bits of it. Gotcha. Yeah. Do you want a job in China? Well, not in China. Did you do any in Australia or not? Hmm? Did you do many in Australia? Not yet. No. no. But today I got this random brief, this guy who's like chairman on the board of all the major surf brands. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, the what? Major surf brands? Surfing brands. Ah, Billabong. I think they're all in it. And he wants to chat about how to redo their branding for Asia for surfing products. Not just boards, but apparel and everything. So like, that nice. might be a brief for us. Because they, got, they were massive in, what, 2010? No, 2000. Billabong, Rip Curl. Yeah, pretty big. Like that came, that came from a senior executive from Blackmore's, the supplements company. Black, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. this brief. So I got contact this morning on WeChat, and the guy, ex-guy from Blackmore's was like, oh, do you want to speak to this guy? So I was like, it's all networking. Yeah. I just get random briefs sometimes. Networking is everything. It is everything. Everything. Yes. Um, how did you go through COVID? Because I know you haven't been able to go back yet. Yep. So how long has it been? Two years? Two uh, years? Well, since January 2020. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's good. I wouldn't say it's touch and go. It hasn't been. Like, we grew last year. We're growing this year. Mm. We put on six or seven more staff this year. Yeah. So it's good. You just got to change your model, like, be really agile. I think that's probably the big takeaway I learned from China is, like, you've got to be super agile. Yeah. And you can't, you can't just wait to react, like, in a sort of Gladys Berejiklian way. Ooh, political now. <laughs> Jesus. I know. You just listen to Daniel Andrews. Um, <laughs> No, you can't wait to react. Like, you've got to be very planful and go, this is coming and this may be here for one, two, three years. Like, how do we completely reinvent what we do? Mm. Our servicing models, outsource contractors, renegotiate fees. Let's have a higher, a, a bigger kicker for bonuses for people if they reach certain goals. Like, everything, you know. And we did that early on and we're, we're still hanging so in there. Yeah. yeah, but I'm I'm worried, of course. Like, next year could be even tougher. Well, how does... This is what I don't quite understand because... Yeah. So, can we, as Australians, technically buy anything over there? Like, how does it work when you go to work over there? Like, so can you say to them, right, I want to buy a house there. Right. Are you allowed to buy real estate and stuff like that? Or, like, are you allowed? Yeah. You are? You can now, yeah, they change all the rules. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the deposit price is so huge. Because you're Australian? Well, because you're foreigners, yeah. yeah. You have such a huge down payment. I think it might be even up to 50%. It's massive. Right. To buy over there. Mm, and you never completely own the land. Like, it's basically leased from the government for 99 years. Oh. So you may buy an apartment, but you really... It's, I think it's like a sublease of a pocket of land from the government. Because the government owns everything at the end of the day. Right. Even private enterprises leasing for a period from the government. So how's that work with yeah, business then? How's that... Just hand it on to someone else from maybe another 99-year lease. Who knows? We haven't been through 99 years yet. Wow. But that's how it basically works. It's not like here, where no. you've got freehold to do what you want. Would you consider moving here? There's not enough work. Like, are moving everything to Melbourne, sort of, or Australia? It doesn't make sense. I mean, Asia's still going to be the biggest growth market for the next 20 years. Yep. More than Africa, more than the Middle East, more than South America. So the team needs to be there. Yep. But what we have changed is we've gone from just being a China business to an Asia business. Yep. So they're based in Shanghai, which is the most dynamic city in the world and in Asia. But we're doing work in Japan, Thailand, Indonesia, New Zealand, Australia, 
and all that work has run out of China. So that's changed as well. Like clients here will say, can you do our branding work for women's chic razor blades for Coles and Woolworths from Shanghai? From, so, from Shanghai to here? To Australia, yeah. Because yeah, okay. they like our team and what we do. And they're like, we don't really care if you're Melbourne or how Shanghai. They, how they're finding you? Well, we will do work for them in Asia. Okay. And then they like, oh, could you help us with our stuff in Australia as well? And then we'll start to do work with them in other markets. Mm. Why'd you move back to Ballarat then? Um, uh, I got a really good PT who helped me with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was more of an emotional move for, to be here with mum and dad there in the late seventies. Mm. And then I was, I guess, having been gone for twenty years, thought I should come back here. And then that process started in twenty eighteen with the vision of moving back here late last year. Yep. Um, and I started to build this house. Um, it's, in a nice house. it's a nice house. It's a nice People house. People listening, talk it up. No, no it's it's probably won't give you our address, but it's a nice house. It's been in House and Garden this month. You can check it out. I don't know what House and Garden is, but it's a magazine. It's a <laughs> <laughs> You're showing me. Which has been nice. around a lot longer than you yeah, have, well, so you should check it out. A, I have checked it out, but it's <laughs> nice. It's a, it's a really nice house. It's yeah. done well. It's anyway. really, you know what the outside reminds you of? I've told you this, haven't I? Mm. Reminds me of that, what's it in Melbourne? Do you know what I'm talking about? What's that thing in Melbourne that's got all the. Come on. The Flinderstreet Station. Oh, the Federation Square. Yes. Yeah. The outside reminds me of that. Yeah, the, the cladding. Yeah. Kind of like inspired sort of like by that. that. Yeah, it was inspired by that. A little bit. Yeah, that kind of patchwork look. Yeah. Pretty avant-garde. Much to the disgust of the neighbours. Oh, Who told me it was off heritage. Okay, well, I'm not going to bring that up. No, we'll bring that up. We'll just leave that. <laughs> um, what do you think of Ballarat now that you've come back, though? changed much since you've been oh my god yeah I think this is sort of like a renaissance period for Ballarat like it's completely changed I think I think COVID's been good for it with all the Melbourne people moving in and the expectations like I can see everything's just gone up a notch mm. if you just look at food and beverage right the restaurant scene and the quality of say fit out that's changed to say in the last year only right there are still only like three or four restaurants the rest are all pubs which yeah. is a bit obnoxious because the pubs are as expensive three as four restaurants more than three or four restaurants good ones you want to go to <laughs> oh jeez like throw some smoke around Pancho Moon Mountain and what's the other one like um Rayzone no, well, Regazone and then um, what's the Spanish one? Megas. Oh, yeah. You know, and they're all in a one block radius, but I'm like, there needs to be like three or four more added to the market. The only thing I guess missing is a proper nightlife. Like, I feel for young people here, I'm like, where the hell do they go? As in, like, clubbing? Yeah, but there's Have nothing you not for them. Have heard of Bluestone? Kind of. But <laughs> does anyone really go there? <laughs> that's close, I think. No, but I look at it like that Peter Layla Hotel, like, that's now the new. What's, yeah. it, what's it called? Next Mr. Layla. The Layla, Mr. Layla or something. But I look at that, I mean, that place is, you know, as damned as that burger place across the joint. No matter what you do, it won't work. Why not? I don't know. There's something about the location. I don't know what no. it is. Parking. I don't know. Accessibility. But it just doesn't seem to take off. But I think that's the next thing. If you want to keep people in the city, they need more entertainment options. Yep. I think, I think food is great. Wine bars, cafes, lifestyle is great. I don't mind it. I've been in big cities for so long. What's happening here is kind of what happened in the US maybe 15 years ago in cities like Cincinnati and Pittsburgh where they were kind of ghost towns with tumbleweeds and now they're like these really cool warehouse conversions and, and cool things that are happening like a bike railway station. Yeah. Um, so when that takes off and a few other things around town like the Nightingale project, a few more of those projects, I think downtown will change dramatically. Yep. The next three years will be really interesting. Mm. So I can see that happening now. 
people that are probably living here aren't taking advantage of that as much as like newcomers like me. What do you mean advantage of like? Like going out and trying it, you know, like I'll try maybe a different cafe every day just to support local businesses. Yeah. Go down to Huskadoo or the Yellow Espresso or somewhere else and just try different places. There's so much, so many Huskadoo. options around. What's Huskadoo? Huskadoo. Where's that? Huskadoo. No, Huskadoo, sorry. You know everything in Byron. How do you know No, no, no. Where's that? Where <laughs> that is that? behind. Have you Huskadoo? No, Alex is in the studio. So he eats bananas all day. Yeah, he does. He's um, <laughs> such ripples. Um, that's down behind Irish Murphy's. Uh, not Irish um, Murphy's, Dan Murphy's. So yeah, straight down the hill yeah, here. Right, yep. And then you turn right be, to go to Dan Murphy's, and it's in, just behind the car park there. It's like a little white near like the shop. Yeah, near the um, puzzle joint. Yeah. Um, yeah. The escape room place. Yes. Right near there. Right. Yeah. Huskadoo. Okay. It's good. I didn't know that. Yeah. They do good toasties and there you go. Go check out Huskadoo, guys. I didn't know that. <laughs> Sporting Ballarat talks, yeah. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. Yeah, what, what about. So you wouldn't have been here when Alfred and all that was developed out. Oh, God. Yeah. What? What's with Alfred? Oh, that's alright. Jeez, you have got some opinions, doesn't he, Alex? <laughs> I don't know. I was chatting about that with my builder this morning. He's like, I don't want to do more of that. You know, but that's the access point for people, right? Because the market's become so expensive they can't afford anything else except for a well bond or a metric on home. Yeah. They've got to do the house and land package. It's so expensive out there. I know it's expensive for what it is, and that's that's the crazy thing, right? Like the US, like what I built in Ballarat off Webster Street, will cost a quarter of the price in New York. Well, I've got um, not New York. You mean in other New York places? No, in New York State, like Upstate or Long Island or those other yeah. places, like a third of the price I and fo- better materials. You well, know? I follow um, this Instagram page. I follow yeah. when they sell when they're selling things, yeah. and the houses on there for like $200,000 are ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Like out, just out. Cabinetry and granite kitchens and a big bar and sauna yep. on the deck. And, and pool, and you've got they go huge, nuts. huge, huge um, backyard. Ridiculous. But they're also paying $5 an hour for illegal Mexican labor, and here we're paying $100 for a plumber. Yeah. So that's the difference. Right, so that's the difference, I suppose, yeah. yeah. What's the average day look for, like for you? Like I suppose at the moment you're pretty cruisy going on what our talks have been. You've <laughs> told me you're a little bit cruisy. You do a lot of calls. I do, well, they seem cruisy, but it's a bit all over the shop. Like last night I was working till two right. in the morning. So I had calls with Europe and then I like got a laptop and I do a whole bunch of stuff. The team is showing high. So the team is either a two or three hour difference. Yep. So right now they they won't leave the office till seven at night, which means that my phone's still going till nine. Mm-hmm. So I can't really get into evening TV or movies because there's always something going on. So my evenings are really shit. Yep. The mornings are good, so I can like get sort of three or four hours to myself. But it's really sporadic. Um, we've got one guy in London now representing the business. He moved back there. That's actually starting to take off, which is nice. So the times I just put between London, Shanghai, and Australia, and then yes, I had a call with New York. So they're 14 hours behind. Yeah. So it just sort of depends when that happens. But it's mainly like I'm on conference calls, trying to secure new business, networking. Like when not, lockdown's not happening in Melbourne or Sydney, I'll be going to those cities and meeting clients. Yep. Networking. Yeah, I, noticed, how many, I remember you saying how many flights you did in 2019. Uh, it's 22 overseas flights. Yeah, that's a yeah. lot. Out of Shanghai. Every two weeks. Yep. Yeah. Like Sundays would be like three days, go to Singapore, come back go to Toronto for four days, come back. Yeah, it was pretty nuts. Do you think that's essential to go and meet people? Yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah, my business, like, the the signing of the contract or the conversion to sign the contract happens really in person. It's okay. way more effective than just by emails. Right. 
But no one has a choice these days, right? We have to revert to us for a line. Messages and Zoom and Zoom calls. And Zoom and emails and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. But I do miss buzzing around. It was fun. Was it? Yeah. How much extra money did you spend on, um, what do you call it? Uh, hotels and that, though? Oh, a lot. But the company pays for that. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> but I got, oh, in turn, it comes out of your pocket, though. Yeah. I have the company. <laughs> um, but I got Platinum with Qantas, which actually still doesn't help when you want an emergency flight out of Brisbane. What does Platinum get you? Well, nothing, basically. It's all full of shit. Right. I thought it did. So you got all these loyalty to the airlines, and when it comes to like any special benefits, there's not really that many. Yeah, the lounge? Yeah. I've so never what? been to one of those lounges. Free coffee and a bad breakfast. You can't be, you can't be for a break. You are <laughs> so picky, aren't you, young man? No, I'm just like, all that loyalty really doesn't get you that much. Right. So, anyway. Um, future plans? Do you have any future plans for the business? Like how, or just, just keep progressively growing? Mm, I wanted to put people on here, so it was one of the things. So we registered the business in Australia. In Ballarat, yeah, right. Not Ballarat. In Melbourne. That could be Ballarat, to be honest. Um, but yeah, put a couple of people on here and go after some of the big consumer companies in Australia. Yep. I don't know whether that's going to happen this year, though, because the confidence has been stripped out of the market. It's too unpredictable with lockdowns. Yep. But I was literally about to do that. Like, we've registered the business. I had offers out to people and then bang, COVID hit. Yep. So I'd love to get that going and have a proper Melbourne office, which would be really cool. Yeah. Um, and then at some stage, we tried to give the US a bit of a crack a few years ago, but we were just way too premature and early. But I reckon that could be on the horizon in the next few years. What do you mean? You just couldn't break it or what, what happened? Uh, I don't think we had our service solution down pat yet. We didn't have the reputation yep. and the case studies. And like, it takes a long time to build a brand and what you actually do. So now we're six years in. Mm-hmm. So probably in a couple more years, I could probably see myself doing something in New York, maybe. That could be cool. Hmm. States, a lot of yeah, states. I know, it'd be fun. Do you like states or China better? Uh, neither better. No? It's totally different. I like the energy from the states, but there's a lot of it that's pretty obnoxious as well. I just found, <laughs> I've said this a couple of times now, in New York, they yeah. just seemed, they just got the time for anybody. So like very, it just came off as rude to me though. You don't get that? They don't have the time for anyone. Yeah, like they just felt like, um, like there was no please, no thank you. It's uh, just like, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like that used to drive me crazy. Like for the first two or three years I resisted that. It's, you know, you'd be in the train station in the morning waiting for your egg and bacon roll and yeah. people would just come behind and say, give me a. Yeah, give me a. Give, give me, me an a. egg and bacon roll. And there's Jeez. no please or thank yous, you know. Tomorrow. Yeah, you know I cheese tomato, this and that, up. and they're yep. just sort of very demanding. But then people respond the same way. There's no, it's just very efficient. Yeah, well, um, yeah. what about copy? I remember this one day, this is funny. We um, <laughs> we were on our honeymoon, and I went in to ask for a copy at this, it was this cafe. And I said, um, could I have a, a takeaway coffee, please? Like, oh no, we don't do that here. I said, okay, well, I'll just have it here, that's fine. And then this person next to me, goes to order their, their coffee and they walk out with a takeaway cup. cup. Yeah, and he goes, I said, well, what's, that? what's he walking away with just there? He goes, oh, you mean takeout? Yeah, or to go. What the fuck is yeah. going on there? I don't know, just different terms. Culture. Yeah, like get get online instead of get in line and <laughs> deep plane yeah. was another one they used to use. What's that mean? Like, you know, Disembark when you're getting off the airplane. Oh, We're about yeah, to deplane. Okay. I'm like, what? Yeah, so there's a few things like that. What do you? So what do you think the biggest thing in business you've learned is? Like, I feel like 
everyone has a different little spin on this, but you being all over the world. My dad gave me advice when I started. Um, when I that day I got fired and was like at this cafe kind of crying with my tail between my legs and had the wind, you know, taken out of me. He's like, You can do this, you should just set up your own business. <laughs> and um, I was telling my mum last night I ran into the former chairperson's uh, chairman's wife in Shanghai, and they were this rich um, Scottish English couple. And she's like, Let's get a coffee. And um, she says, I think you just should do something you're good at, something you love. Like, just teach bagpipes. And I was like, teach bag, because I play bagpipes, right? Oh, you do too, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, why don't I teach bagpipes to make it look good? Well, you seem really good at that. So, so undermining, right? So I think a couple of things in business, like, you've got to have this just unyielding burn and desire and motivation in your stomach, and no one can give that to you except for yourself. So it comes down to the entrepreneur's own levels of energy and drive. Um, and the other thing is this, like, to be humble and also accept that there's going to be really high highs and really low lows. And my dad, like mum and dad were in business for 45 years and they've watched over the years all their friends essentially die, right? Now they're like, there's no one left. Or people who made a lot of money in the 80s and dad used to say they'd drive around Ballarat in huge Mercedes Benz and then they'd lose it all. So they'd overinvest too quickly. Those types of people could only ever operate at the high highs because I was so kind of ego driven but what happens when you're at the low, right? So what I've always said is like, you gotta try and operate through the middle, like to just be very sustainable in business and accept that there's gonna be bumps. You're gonna have great wins, but don't get too ahead of yourself and always that sort of like forward planning, think about cash flow, think about, I'm quite a conservative business manager, even though I'm in the most dynamic market in the world and we're making great profits and we're growing every year at rates you'd never grow at in Australia. I'm actually still sit on a lot of money, cash, mm -hmm. because there's always a rainy day like COVID and by doing that, we didn't have to fire everyone. Like when COVID hit, we said to all our staff, right, we either start firing three or four people or everyone goes down by 20% and we shut the doors two days a week. Mm -hmm. And we all went down together and they all did it. So we developed this culture like that as well about, hey, we can't always be about celebrating wins. We've got to be going like, how do we just have the gumption to like ride through these really shit periods? And that could go on for one quarter, two quarters, two years. And they all stayed with us and they all, some people got promoted out of it. Some people were able to do a bit of back pay. But yeah, I think that's the biggest sort of advice I have for people is like, how do you develop a sustainable business model? And there's a lot of businesses in Australia though that can't do that. And that's what drives me mental is like, if you look at all the people waiting for government handouts when the pandemic happened, because they have no buffer. They have maybe one month of cash in the bank. Do you think? Oh, so they've all had to fight, fire people and shut down. I'm like, do you think that's? But that would you say that even if it's like a startup or some people that are really, really trying hard to yeah. get it there? I understand it can be very, very tough. Like, you want to have savings there, obviously. But yeah, then, but I didn't start my like I started my business on thirty thousand dollars. Yeah. Right. And I said to my ex partner, I was like, we're eating magic two minute noodles for the next two years. There's no hundred dollar meals out. We're going down. We're moving apartments. We're paying a quarter of the rent. So what would, no holidays. what would happen to you if COVID hit then? Back then? Mm. Would you wait for a government handout or no? Well, I didn't qualify. So this is the thing. Like, I never qualified for any. Even though I'm a Chinese business, we don't, because I'm foreign director, we don't get any government handout. Right. And I've had none since I've been here. Yeah. So we've all, we've all had to bootstrap. It's all about cash flow management, right? And it depends on the business. Like every industry is different. We were just very lucky. I think there's that right place, right time thing going on. Yeah. You know, like 
we had access to the biggest market in the world that everyone wanted a piece of and we were all there and we could do something with it. My advice to business owners is that don't go into something unless you know there's a real demand requirement for it. If you just do a me too thing, then of course when a pandemic hits, you're just going to be completely taken out of the market. Yeah, definitely. So, it's yeah. interesting. I haven't seen um, many people go down yet, actually. Like in Ballarat, have you seen, I haven't seen any businesses. Oh, uh, no. I think there's a lot of untold stories. Like a client from New Zealand texted me this morning. She goes, there's been a lot of suicides in New Zealand, like yeah, small business owners. Yeah. No one's talking about them. Yeah. And I feel for those people, if you look up and down Sturt Street or around Ballarat, all those shut doors during the lockdowns, all those people are paying rent. I know. You know, and they might be living off house and land packages that they still have to pay for in Lucas. Yep. And the landlords aren't giving them any concessions. And now all the government's funding's now stopped. Like, That's the scary it, thing. What they give us 600 bucks? Something like that. The newest round, there's no new rounds, though, is there? There's, they give you, uh, they didn't pay us this time round because it was only four days, so you had yeah. a minimum seven. But they, if you qualified as a business, they gave you 2K a little yeah. while ago. But it, like, so we didn't get it because we weren't employees. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, we don't employ anyone except for ourselves, but we're not employees. We get plenty But it's a trickle-down effect on other industries. Like, if you look at tourism, I reckon Australian tourism has been wiped out for a few years now. Look at Byron Bay. Oh, like, Byron Bay, I tried to get in there a few weeks ago. Yeah. And I had to turn around because I was in Brisbane because the border was closing. But now that's taking off there. Like that economy is entirely reliant. Place like Dalesford, yep. You know, on influx of tourism. Melbourne might be going to week uh, three of lockdowns. So all those businesses in there that are relying on Melbourne businesses. What is going to happen there? I know. What do you do? I heard that this morning. They're going. There might be another extension. It's like it just goes on and on. How many cases today? Twenty. Twenty. Yeah. Oof. So I, don't, I don't like our chances. To be honest, I don't I want to be positive. But Jesus. Yeah. Full on. Um, right, I think we might move to the questions. Oh, okay, right. Have you and you written some uh, notes, <laughs> notes down? Oh, my yep. assets. Right, I'm always prepared. What uh, what's something that people would be surprised to know about you? Uh, well, I've already given away, but I speak Chinese. I guess that's that's a good party yeah, trick. Hang on, hang on, hang on. No, hang we're on, not doing on. a translation. Hang on a second. No, okay, let's keep moving. Hang on a second. I just wanna. Oh. Can you speak a little bit for me now? No. Hang on, please. Yep. Just speak, um, say, my, my name is Andrew. Uh, today I'm on Ballarat Talks. Ni hao, what a means of Andalu, or Sienzai Zai Ballarat Talks to Guangbo. Love it. Love it. I don't know. Do, do you find that your accent changes? Does it sound like a Ballarat Chinese accent to you? Well, not quite. Or Sebastian. I just it's mean. Like, more Sebastian. Do you know Chinese what I mean? Like, to do you? they say something to you? <laughs> It's like when Chinese, China, I can't even, I can't even get this up, but I wanted to just give some translations on here, but anyway. <laughs> um, Can you get that for me? No, 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 it's really funny, like some people, no, because I'll fuck it up, and then you <laughs> up, they'd be like, you're not fluent. Um, <laughs> I'm, I would say I'm pretty fluent, like I've been there for a long time, but um, sometimes it's really funny in China, mm. a waitress will come up to you and give you an English language. Uh, menu. Does speak English to you. Oh, oh a menu. Yep. And then you order in Chinese off it. And they look at you and go, okay, thank you. And then they go, so he speaking Chinese, Chinese, Chinese back to us? Yep. It's so weird for them. They do a double take. Yeah. Mm. Or they'll respond in English. You'll speak to them in Chinese. They'll respond in English thinking that they've heard English. But yep. then they go, hang on a second. Are we speaking Chinese? Do they all speak English? Like, no. No? Like, no way. Okay. Like, people under the age of 30, pretty, yeah, in major cities, you're pretty much guarantee that they do but people sort of over that over 35 40 like 
yeah, like my housekeeper and her husband, definitely none, like really uneducated. Mm. Um, but that's where you learn the best Chinese. Like mine was in supermarkets at you know eight o'clock at night with all these old grannies hanging around talking about how to cook that piece of you know pork rib. You know, what do I match with that? Yep. And they would just give you cooking lessons and chat about your life in China and you learn street Chinese. Oh yeah, yeah. And Shanghainese is like a different language altogether. Right. So you have Mandarin. Yeah, have it, yeah, there's a few different things. No, but it sounds like Japanese. It's completely different sounding. So the street language, the local language is a different dialect. Right. Yep. Why, and you've just, you've just sparked a memory from me in China. I was trying to get Alex, did you find it? There's something about bananas and... Hey? What do you want me to say? I just wanted to go on Google and type in like Chinese speaker. Yeah, they speak in China. Yeah, I mean, I was going to put English word in. Something um, about bananas and shoehorns. Shoe. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, I, when I was in China, I remember yeah. that none of the taxis would pick us up. That's what I was going to ask you. Uh, that's because of that stupid app, DD, which is like Uber here, right? What do you mean? Yeah. Because well, it's just hard to hail a cab on the streets. Like no, saying. no, no. They'd start, they would like there'd be no one that like there'd be no one in them, and I walk up to the traffic light. I'm like, hey, 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 can can we get in? No, 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 no. Why? Oh, it could be honestly, it could be anything. It could be end of shift. You're not going in the right direction, and they just kind of know how to communicate that to you. All it, of them? Well, I don't know. Or it could be just that they don't like your mustache. Right, that's, yeah, um, that's no, there is a whole like, oh god, this is going to be a pain. This foreigner is going to get in. So there's a bit of that. Stigma. Well, that's what I thought they might yeah. be like. Because some foreigners have been that. awful, but like yeah. they have behaved very, very poorly, right? Like demanding and shouting, and it all comes down to language miscommunication. Mm -hmm. When you speak the language, you can get through to people, right? Gotcha. When you can't, people get frustrated, annoyed, um, a bit bombastic. So there's a bit of that as well. Beijing is notorious for that. They'll just go like that and they'll just keep driving. Right. Yeah. I can't remember if it's Beijing or Shanghai. Probably where's Beijing. like the Hudson River? What, which, where's that one? Hudson? Is that how they say that? No. The Suzhou River? No. So it's for the H. You've got the, the, the Bund? No, the... The Bund? The radio tower thing? Yeah. Where's that? Shanghai. That's in Shanghai? Yeah, that's where it was. That's not the Hudson River. What river is that? That's the Suzhou Creek. Oh, no, that's the, um, I'm trying to think what river that is. It starts with the H. I'm pretty certain. No, it's the end of the Yangtze River, basically. It starts with the H. I looked at it after. I think you make it up. I'm not. Um, <laughs> what do you love most? Oh, that's one of my question sets, isn't mm. it? Oh, my dog. My dog Yumi, probably. Oh, I thought yeah. about that this morning. I really do. Huge. Mm. What's the worst type of breed is it? He's a Japanese Shiba Inu. Shiba Inu. Shiba Inu. Cryptocurrency. Shiba Inu. You've had, you've had um, two fireballs. Yeah. Uh, Shiba Inu. So I brought him back from China last year, and he looks like they look like a little mini husky, like a little fox face. Yeah. They're on the Doge coin, as you know. Yeah. Well, that's what Doge. The, the Doge coin. There's actually one called Shiba Inu now. Is it? Yeah. There okay. Is. So he's cool. He's great company. He's a lot of fun. He's a head turner wherever you are. Yeah. People think he's a dingo here. Is that a dingo? He looks like... <laughs> is, that is that a dingo? dingo? I get it all the time downstairs. <laughs> is that a dingo? Uh, no, a it's dingo. a shame. So yeah, he's, uh, he's pretty cool. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Like that. Uh, what are you most afraid of? Losing it all. I sort of thought about that this morning. What, business and everything? Yeah, like everything I worked for and hustled for so long in China. It was, it was a real bootstrap hustle to yeah. do what I've done and just what's COVID got installed, you know? Like, how can I, how long can I be stuck here? To when do I get back is my... You're not losing it all, though. You've got your house, you've got... Yeah. You've got 
knowledge you've got. I know, but then there's also that, like, is it cut short? Is my time cut short before it was meant to sort of... Oh, they to have, like, real scale or real impact. Yeah. I think also, like, on a bit more of a human level, like, wow, you know, time's ticking and, like, are you really making an impact on people in the world? Like, what are you doing in your time while you're here? Mm-hmm. That's probably what I'm most afraid of. When do you want to retire? I already am retired. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Actually, someone said that to me a while ago. I'm definitely not. I don't want to retire. My parents, I don't know, I look at them... They now have really struggled with retirement. They've been retired three years. They're 79. I hate it. I hate it. Because they're just whatever. They're absolutely bored. They're on 40 acres in Sebastian. They're like, oh, ride the horse again, do the garden again. Like last time I went there, Dad was on the tractor in the rain, moving hay, you know, into the shed, like still working, digging up the garden, just creating projects. So we're a very doing family, pretty working class, to Mm. be honest. I don't have any aspirations of having five houses around the world and pool parties and all that crap. It just doesn't interest me. Um, like enough, enough sort of modest comfort would be great, but I, don't, I always want to be doing things. Mm. There's things I like to do in Ballarat as well. You know, starting to think about, okay, if I'm stuck here, what could I do here that's going to be pretty cool? Yep. So, yeah. But um, that legacy piece is, you know, I'm not going to have a legacy like a Bill Gates or a Mozart. It's probably a bit late for that. But, you know, while you're here... I think, for me, it's about what impact can you have on other people. Yep. It's been a good guy. Is that a great answer? Yeah, I like, I like that it's answer. Good, it? It's good. Um, <laughs> what's something someone has said to you that's never left you? Mm. Um, oh, God, there's a few of them. There's a few of them. Here we go. There's a few of them. Talking to saucy. Well, I told you about the whole, like, we'll send you to Germany and the Germans will fix you up. Like, that stayed with me forever. That was hilarious. Um, but I remember when I went to Berlin, I was such a, like, little mollycoddled Sebast boy, you know. And honestly, if I think about it back then, it was like, the likelihood of me going to uni and coming out of Sebastec was so low. Mm. Yeah, you'd be pushing trolleys at Woolies if you were lucky. Oh, back Jesus. then, in the 80s, 90s. <laughs> Well, that's how it was. That's how it was. Most of my peer level now are running them like, oh, you're still working at Target 25 years later. That's how it is, right? But um, I went over there and I was like, oh, my God, it was, it was so overwhelming. And there was no email, right, or no internet. So back then you had to write a letter. It would be six weeks from the time I wrote a letter to my parents when I got a response back. Mm-hmm. And it was so expensive to make phone calls, you might get two a year. Two phone calls? Yeah, I barely got a phone call. Maybe maybe three or four times a year. Dad would call and ask if Hitler was at home. <laughs> and my parents, my host parents would get so offended by it. Tell your father to stop calling you Hitler. It's very offensive to German people. <laughs> yeah, she'd end up in tears. I'm like, stop asking for Hitler. It's really embarrassing. Oh, no. But I remember him saying, like, at Melbourne Airport, so now it's going to be really lonely. There's going to be, like, big moments of loneliness. When you get lonely... We went to the duty-free and he got me this bottle of Baileys. Yeah. He's like, you can have a drink, son, in your room. Just have a little swig of Baileys and just relax. And look up at the stars and know that we're looking at the same stars back in Ballarat that you're looking at. How old were you? 16. Jesus. Yeah, Ballarat to Berlin. Sebastian Berlin, like, was major. And in the winter, right, minus 20 degrees. Have a Baileys. Just have a Baileys. And I, I would. I'd sit in my little room and I'd just have a Baileys and I'd look at the stars and go, Mum and Dad are probably looking at the same stars. And it was actually all about connectivity and support and someone thinking about you. And I, He's not a particularly poetic man and he's not particularly educated. But 
simple lines like that stick with you forever because mm. they mean so much. Yep. Awesome. You know? Yeah. I like that. Good on you, Dad. Yeah. Is that the only one you had there? Please see a couple. Is that? No, that's it. That's it. Rebuttal. <laughs> um, last one we've got here. Oh. Who do you want to see on the podcast next? So I was thinking about this mm. because I think you've had a lot of amazing guests on here, but they're mainly people you've known in your Correct. social and Circle. business circles, right? Yep. Um, there are probably, if you did your research, some amazing stories, like struggle stories around COVID and how people have rebounded. They, those could be interesting. Who you got? Well, I got one. Mm. But then there's other ones. I th- I've been thinking about the elderly recently. That's really interesting, like people who have been on their own and basically isolated from all family members. I think I'd like to have an elderly person on just for perspective reasons. Well, that's what I was thinking, their stories, but also how they've just like coped with like mental health during COVID and isolation, not seeing their families. I have a very good friend who was my ex year 11 high school teacher, uh, Kate Saruria. She lives in Mount Bolton near Limonth. Oh yeah. And she runs a 120 acre farm by herself. She's in her 60s, late 60s. Is that the one that I saw on your Instagram? Yeah. With, um, yeah Feeding yeah. the lambs a few weeks yeah, ago. And what, I took Sam and his partner yeah, out there. She, what else does she have on that? Oh, she's just she's incredibly quirky. And she does foraging, like she forages for like wild fruit and berries by the side of the road. She's on the ABC radio. Um, She's an incredible teacher and mentor of mine, but she operates that farm by herself. She's got all sorts of animals out there. Uh, and she lost her husband um, this year. Yeah, um, did you play at the funeral? I played the pipes yeah, at the funeral. Remember, yeah. yeah. And, you know, they're big Ballarat Labor Party people. They're big into the unions. She's big in the education system. She's had hundreds of students through her house from all around the world exchange students. So there's a person that's, like, given so much of her life to the community. How cool would that be when he's in the coming years? Oh, like yeah. That? Like, I used to visit her when she lived on um, on Barclay Street. And you'd pop it in, here's, you know, Yumi from Japan and, you know, Burnt from Switzerland. And there were all those people there. And pre-COVID, she did the same thing at her farm. They had this big this big barn, basically, which is a farm stay. And they had people from all around the world working there. It's awesome. But she's got really cool stories, right? And she's got the real struggle story of being retired and having to manage through without selling a farm during COVID yep. after her husband's death, which they were preparing for for five or six years because of his illness. Did she want to sell the farm? She wanted to, but now she's like had this completely new lease of life. I went out there a few weeks ago and she was completely rebounded. She's managing it by herself. She has a couple of friends that come once a week. And I'm like, that is sheer guts and determination. Awesome. And she's a huge part of that like Learmonth community as well. Yep. But she's a cool character. What's her name, sorry? Kate Serurier. Kate. So I'm going to get her on the... What's her last, last name? Serouillet is a French name, French-German name, I think. Mm. Kate Serouillet. No, I'll write that down. But she would be an interesting story for you, I think. Serouillet. Serouillet. Pretty close. Um, <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. Anything yeah. you want to say to the uh, Bella community or anything you want to leave people with? Um, well, I want to get more network here. So whoever's listening to this, um, reach out to me if you've got some fun ideas. I'd love to do something around social cause in Ballarat, maybe in Sebastopol, what where I grew up. Social cause? Like, social cause, like developing a business, like a cafe, a restaurant, or some type of like employment type business for that part of Ballarat. Yep. I think it's a very ignored part of Ballarat. Um, and there's just a bit of that kind of like, I'd like to get back to the roots and do something. Cool. Bring some different partners together. So I think that's probably what I'm lacking in Ballarat are potential partners with a bit of a vision to do something that's like giving back to the community. Awesome. That would mainly be it. Mm. Nice. It's yeah. probably, probably the best one we've had, I reckon, the people listening. 
There you go. Okay. Jump at it. Thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate your time. Yep. Thank you. Have a few more wines. Get back to the gym. Get sweaty. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks again. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in, team. Once again, we appreciate any reviews you've got down below. Have a great day.